doing something new, something live, something so fresh and so clean. Uh, I'm in the studios, and the Dope and Dharma guy is out and about across the nation. Uh, one is over in uh, the other part of the country, and another in another part of the country. What's up, fellas? What's going What's on, up, man? What is it? You just making up stuff now? Yeah, yeah. It just, it just, it's a habit. I just get in the floor of things and just go. Hey, yeah. What's happening, brother? How you doing? Good to see man, you. I can't complain. Well, well, I, can't I can see, see you, you, but you can't see me. Well, that's why you... Got You got to look, Trinity. You got to send him a link so we can get him on on his on his cell phone as well, so we can see him. It's not it's yeah. not fair that we can't see him. I'm gonna send so, you a link right now. Uh, yeah, he's gonna send you a link. Uh oh, device is not connected. Uh oh, oh boy. So so we might Trinity. You and I might be on, but uh, and we're on with <laughs> yeah. our people. But I don't know if we're on WOKB. But anyway, welcome to WOKB. Uh, this is the Couch Live here with you. Uh, been on for the last what 23 years? It's 23 years and counting. We're here on WOKB, 1680 AM in Orlando, while Trinity, who knows what city he's in. No, you're in Orlando, Trinity, and I'm, I'm down in Boca Raton right now. I'm in Boca. I'm picking up my daughter from FAU. Yeah. I think uh, we're also on uh, 100.7, right? 100.7 FM. 100.7 FM. And pretty soon we'll be able to see Shaw because Trinity's going to send you a link, Shaw, I so you did. can get on your phone. Okay, good. So you can, you can click that one on, from your phone, Shaw, so we can at least see your face. I want to see that pretty mug of you. So, but anyway, so while, 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 <laughs> while he's doing that, I'll introduce myself and I'll introduce my partner for the last 10 years. Uh, I am Street Certified Dope Dr. Louis Delgado here with you. And uh, this is a show focused on addiction and recovery and all things in between. Of course, family issues, family matters. We talk about all that kind of stuff. And of course, my partner for the last 10 years, we're on the 11th year now, is the Dharma Guy, Trinity Phillips. What's up, brother? What's up? What's up? How you doing? I am doing well. How about yourself? You said you're... You said you were fib- fibrillating a little bit heavy today. Uh, there no, is. I don't There's know. What it just felt uh, felt odd earlier, but that's okay. Felt odd a little earlier. All right, we don't want yeah. you dying. And there's hey, Shaw. There's there's Shaw. What's going on, brother? Shaw. Hey, what's okay. going on, brother? How you doing? Hey, hey you what's up? What's up? So, so, see, so see, we figured it out. That's right. We yeah, got we, it. We got this. That's right. So, so I wanted to, uh, you know, first of all, we're debuting this new platform for us, just to kind of. We, st- we stole it from the show before us, you know. We did. Uh, we were using Ecamm, and and I don't know how many times, Trinity, I told you, Ecamm sucks. Ecamm sucks. <laughs> you, I couldn't you stand it. it. Well, you know, I'm just so used to regular radio stations, and then from radio stations, used to streaming through the radio stations, right? And then yes. we, we, we get we get we have COVID, and we stay home for a couple years, and when, when we get back to the radio station, our streaming was all messed up using that, that system that we're using for two years. So even though it did all right for the way we were doing it, I didn't like it. And so, yeah, Marissa, yes, I agree with quite... you. Ecamm does suck. And uh, <laughs> so so uh, we're done with Ecamm. We got StreamYard. Yes. The little duck is now in our ears. That's right. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll we'll do this better. So we're ready now. Right. So and You made it quite uh, that, clear that you hated Ecamm. So. I'd like I to tell you how it feels. I know you're I happy. I think it's important training to be, you know, there's an honest program. That's so right. I think it's I think it's important to always be honest. I think it's always important to tell us tell everybody <laughs> yeah. how you feel for real. Um, and uh, you know how else do you get better, Trini? You you want me to hold it in and and just be resentful and just have resentment and anger and frustration? You know what uh, might happen if I have resentment and anger and frustration, Trini? Uh, no, but I think you're going to tell me. Well, I might run a car off the road. You do that anyways. I might I might kick my you new little puppy. Anyway. I don't like, like, I don't want. You're still that old dude. Instead of get off my lawns, like get out of my lane. You should. You should look. I, I'm always in the middle lane and the slow lane now. I chill. 
And so if you're in the middle lane and still going slow, now, yeah, you, you need to move. See, there comes the truth. I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, so we're talking about mo- – that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's just, just a slow lane. And we just yeah. Damn, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, I'm constantly moving for people, man, because I'm not, I'm not looking to, to speed. I'm not looking for a speeding ticket, man. I, I, my days of getting tickets are over. Yeah, I know, speeding right? Speeding tickets suck. So they I like chilling. You, they, send you through, through, they send you through too much. You yeah, go through I, too much when you get a ticket. I, I got my last ticket like years ago, and yeah. I stopped doing I, I pay attention. <laughs> yeah, it's better than paying them. Right. Either you pay them exactly. or you pay attention. One or the other. <laughs> And you're gonna you're gonna pay somebody, but anyway, um, welcome to Couch Live, everybody. Let's let's talk about this. I'm talking about multiple pathways to recovery today, Trinity. Multiple I, pathways. That's what I've seen. Yes. Well, and the reason is is because I'm still I'm still hearing people that uh, just struggle with the idea that anybody else wants to do it differently than them. Right. Just just frustrated with it. You know. I mean, there's there's people that really get really upset that somebody wants to try to get better in a way that's different than the way they got better. And, and right. I mean, I, I, I did, I want to say I used to be one of those guys, but I never really was, you know what I mean? I mean, I might've been right. hesitant about certain pathways, you know, that's kind of normal, right? I kind of sure. was Makes judgmental sense. about a, several pathways, but I mean, I, I to poo poo, <laughs> somebody else's methods right it's just i just don't see the productivity in it what, what is marissa saying right there can you put that up there so we can read it she said uh let me put it up on the screen she said uh there you go uh, i can't say what i want to do slow walking people or i'll get banned by zuckerberg's lol uh <laughs> they can get off my sidewalk Mar- marissa not this week not this week right no more she pain. said, uh, "She said, I think Matt MAT medical assisted treatment yeah. gets the biggest uh, bad rep of yeah. all of them." So, so let's start with that. Let's start with Matt medication medication assisted treatment or medical assisted treatment, however you wish to to use it. But the issue with that Trinity is that some people, some purists, right, are focused on. If you're getting off of something, you should never get onto something to get off of something. That's kind of the right. the, the 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 ease of it, right? And, and so I think that makes sense you... to the untrained ear, by the way. Right. Like right. I don't think that's an unreasonable thought to it's have not, in your head. It's, it's not, and that's why I said it like that because that's the way it's usually said. You know, yeah. it's like you know, you know, you don't uh, trade addictions. Um, right. If you want to be clean, you just get off of everything. You don't need drugs. To, to you know, because then you're really not clean. You know, I used yeah. to hear this all the time. And let me tell you, man, back in the 80s, when everybody, all the cocaine addicts like myself were coming into recovery, uh, there was there were people that were saying that uh, you shouldn't take antidepressants. Now, let me give you a little bit of historical knowledge. When you get off of cocaine, cocaine shrinks your amygdala down. All right. So that's that's there's a lot of pleasure that gets that you feel when your amygdala is working correctly, but when it's not working correctly, when it's shrunken up, it's hard to just feel normal pleasure. It's hard to feel good about anything. Um, and so there were a lot of people coming in feeling depressed. Uh, imagine, you know, listening to your favorite song, um, you know, on, on, uh, on the radio, you don't turn it down. You turn it up. Right. But then the next song, sure. let's say you like it better and then turn it down, turn down the dial. 
Right. So, so listen to a crappy song like a Justin Bieber song, really high, <laughs> and then and then put on a really cool. What did you do? You changed the view, and then put it on a really cool. You're, you're just playing around, and, that's, and then that's that, not me. That's uh, oh, that's, so I was playing around. That's me. <laughs> see, that's what you get when you give him power and control. Man. See, uh, so and then you and then you listen to a good song, and then you turn it down. It, it's it, it frustrates your ears, and so right. when people were doing cocaine, right, and they wanted to get off. They found themselves struggling with just being okay with like petting the puppy. Petting the puppy didn't feel good anymore. Playing with your kids well, didn't feel good anymore. Just walking, yeah, you definitely want petting the puppy. To petting puppies good. is awesome, dude. That's like petting one of the, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. That, that's so, not cool. So when people went to the psychiatrist and to their therapist, they found out, well, you're in depression. You have major depression. So what's the what's the one of the things that people do with people in depression, they want to put them on antidepressants. So Prozac was yeah. a big deal, right? We all remember the days where Prozac Still is, was killing isn't it? it. Yeah, but there was a time where it was really killing it, right? Right. Um, bad choice of words, but when it was really uh, doing really well. So then, uh, so Prozac got real big. People were taking antidepressants, and then they found that, uh, or they were being told sometimes that they were cheating, that they weren't allowing themselves to go through the emotions and the feelings that they were supposed to feel that depression and were supposed to feel bad right. about things sometimes that that uh, that's just part of the process and that right. they, they, they by taking antidepressants they were cheating their their recovery um and so there were a lot of people that were afraid to take antidepressants there were therapists that would not counsel i mean i even had one at, at quest counseling when i used to own quest counseling i had a counselor that her particular group she requested that she not have anybody with antidepressants in her group. So when I bought Quest Counseling, I went ahead and, and uh, gave her that group, let her go off on her own and got, uh, I don't want to say got rid of her, but I got rid of her. Um, <laughs> and, and sure. let, let her go build her own business because, you know, I didn't want to have that. I just thought it was wrong to tell people they could not take an antidepressant if a psychiatrist was was prescribing them. Now, who are we to say, right? But right. to be told that you're not clean or you're cheating or you're doing something wrong by taking antidepressant, uh, I just thought that was that was medical malpractice, even by non-medical people. And right. so that was the problem I had. So that that is my first introduction to to people uh, being told that medication-assisted treatment is wrong. Uh, and then you know, we already knew that methadone was out there, but we were we really didn't call it medication-assisted treatment. Right. So then we look at opioid dependence training, and the history of that is that methadone was supposedly successful for what it was intended to do, which was get people right. from the street to a more I don't know, I guess a place where you could find them, <laughs> a place where you knew right. they were going to be every day. Uh, uh, something cleaner than street drugs. It was a little bit more predictable of what, what you're taking rather than street drugs. Um, a different method of using it. You're not shooting up methadone. You're, you're, you're ingesting it in a liquid form or pill form. And so right. for what they wanted, it was successful. Now, there's a lot of people out there, Trinity, that is, I don't have to love methadone. I don't have to like methadone. I, have to, I don't have to be a believer in big methadone or any sure. methadone. But who are we to judge Trinity if somebody got their life back? What if what if their goal was only I just want to be able to go to work and not shoot dope? And right. by taking methadone, they're able to go to work and not shoot dope. I mean, who are we to say that they're not in recovery then? 
I, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think the mainstream agrees with that, but I, I agree. Right. Um, yeah. Marissa made a comment too. She said, uh, uh, sometimes you have to take one step down at a time from something heavy you're on because cold turkey can kill you after certain drugs. And I used to be uh, one of the purists as long mm -hmm. as they're monitored so addiction at, or dependence doesn't happen untreated again with uh, the new drug introduced. And then she said, followed up with the only thing I'm still not sold on is the safe, in quotations, injection facilities. Uh, but I don't think safe injection facilities would be included in recovery. I think that's a, a harm reduction. Yeah, that, I believe. yeah, that's a, that's a that's a conversation for another day. But but yeah, I, I agree with that. that's a good, that's a good point right there, Marissa. Um, yeah. So so then buprenorphine products came into play, and if you don't know what a buprenorphine product is, uh, it's for opioid dependence treatment, and and we're talking about Suboxone, Subutex, Subzolf, uh, those. Uh, now we even have a, an implant and injection form of that. But the buprenorphine, pro, just to give you some understanding, so dope or heroin, street heroin, or even legal heroin like opioids, like oxys and Percocets, Percodans, things like that, all of those are what we would call agonists. What's an agonist? Now, I, I don't want to go too far into this because this is not supposed to be, you know, Bill Nye, the science guy stuff, <laughs> you know. Wow. But but uh, this is supposed to be a, a, a relatively casual understanding of what's going on so we can help each other kind of thing. So right. agonist means it activates whatever receptor it goes to and makes it do what that receptor is supposed to do. So when we're talking about an opioid agonist, it makes the opiate receptor pow, act up. Now, right. what's an opiate receptor for? Well, you have natural opioids. I got natural opioids. We all got dope in our body. Some of us, <laughs> like me, have a little bit more than others. That's why I'm sure. the dope doctor. <laughs> I was kidding. But uh, we all have, you know, endorphins and keflins, uh, you know, things like that running through our system. And that's, you know, that's why if you hate yourself, it doesn't really hurt that much. That's why you feel some joy. You feel some, you know, your body takes care of you in different ways uh, that you don't need to worry about. So anyway, we have these opiate receptor sites. And the agonists out there go to those same receptor sites and just, just hits it a little bit harder than what we would call an endogenous opioid. An endogenous opioid is what you have naturally. Exogenous opioids are from outside the body. So you go take street dope or you take a, a pain pill. That's an exogenous opioid you're putting in, in, a, in an opiate receptor that's made for your endogenous opioids, your natural opioids. And so it messes up that receptor. Right. So what methadone does is it goes to that receptor. But it's still an agonist. Then the buprenorphine products came out, the Suboxone, Subutex, and all those. And those are partial agonists. So they're not full agonists. They're not all the way agonists like heroin or pain pills. But they're partial agonists, meaning they still create that agonist activity. There's still that dopamine rush that allows us to feel less pain, right? Because right. You get that little spark in your brain, right? And you feel sure. less pain and you feel less care. Uh, but there's still activity. And those are the things that become addicting. You know, that dopamine rush, that dopamine stimulation. Now, we're here in 2022. And for the last 10 years, we've had at least 10 years, we've had Vivitrol, which is naltrexone. Uh, which is not the oral naltrexone like Rivia, but it's an injectable form of naltrexone. That's also in the medication-assisted treatment family. 
And that particular drug uh, medication also goes to the receptors, but it's an antagonist. Antagonist, meaning does not have any agonist activity. It's not addicting, non-dependent. When you get off it, there's no withdrawal like right. with the others. There's withdrawal still with the others. That's why many people stay on those forever many times. And then they get told that they're not in recovery because they're staying on it forever or too long in some people's opinion. But some people feel that once dependent, you should always be dependent. Right. I'm not, I'm not a big lover of that methodology, which is why I like Vivitrol, because I don't think someone that's been dependent for a couple of years, two to five years, should be subject to stay dependent for the rest of their life. It's bad enough you're being told you have addiction for the rest of your life, but why should I be dependent on a medication for the rest of my life? I don't think that's for everybody. If that's for you right. out there and that's the way you recover, that's on you. That's cool. I'll support you either way. Look, if your goal was simply to go back to work or if your goal was simply not to shoot dope, right. then that's your level of success. You talk, We talk about it on Dharma time, right? Is it, it really right. depends on your perspective of what you're trying to achieve. But I think what happens in recovery is that typically someone like myself, that I would consider myself an old timer, right? We're talking about 33 years. Typically okay. I go, well, I didn't take any medication when I got sober or I went to meetings and that worked for me. And if you do what I did, then you, you'll get it. You know, we right. tend to be a little bit too bossy to this younger generation and tell them, well, you're, if you're not doing it my way or the way I did it, then you're doing it wrong. And I just can't do that Trinity. I don't like it. And so I wanted somebody uh, to make sure to speak out here, somebody with 33 years and so none of you jacks out there that, that are old timers as well can go, well, hey, that Louie, what does he, what does he know? Uh, 33 <laughs> years. <mof. laughs> yeah, what they all sound like, by the way? That was a WOKB. I apologize on that one, WOKB. I forgot that we're on radio. Yeah, so. yeah, we on radio. Yeah. You're on all yeah. three platforms. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I forgot. My apologies. They'll send the hate mail directly to me. But the point is, is that 33 years, you can't tell me. I don't know my recovery because I, I, I've done it all those different ways other than the medication ways. Uh, and then I've treated people. So for the last, what, 30 something years, I've also, I am an addictions professional that I've treated people for all of that time period. So I think uh, it takes someone with some gray hairs and some, some experience to come out and say, look, if you're out there and you're being told that medication assisted treatment is the way for you, um, or if you're doing it, doing recovery your type of way with some help and support and it's working for you to the goals that you have set out, then that's good enough. Then that's good enough. Now, if it doesn't work, come back to the drawing board. Let's, let's, right. let's, let's try something else. But if it's working, then who's to say, and, and that's, so that's yeah. the point. That's why I wanted to talk about it today. Cause I, I'm tired of, of the people and you know, and, and by the way, Trina, you know, when I started getting real vocal about this, uh, yep. And I'm going to say the name of this young man. You know the exactly first thing what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Connor Policastro. And I'm going to yep. say his name because I will forever remember you, Connor Policastro. And Connor Policastro was a guy that we helped uh, get clean and sober years and years ago. And at six months clean, he called me up crying, crying that um, he was being told. And he was going to meetings, by the way. He was going to Narcotics Anonymous meetings. He was going to meetings uh, every day. He was chairing a meeting and somebody kept they kept telling him that he's not clean. And that, and look, by the way, Narcotics Anonymous doesn't think that. So don't think that by me saying that that's not their stance. They have no opinions and outside issues and medication being one of them. But but there's 
the rooms are full of people, right? Even though the rooms have no opinions on outside issues, guess what? People do. And the rooms are full of people. And those yep. people sometimes open their big, fat mouths and say things to people like Connor. And so he went and threw away his buprenorphine, threw away his, meth, his, uh, his uh, suboxone. Right. And he called me up crying, saying that he's going to do it without. Now, mind you, if you don't know anything about these, agonists and partial agonists, when you get off them, you're going to go through withdrawals. Worse withdrawals than with just plain old dope. The, you know, the stuff that we make is a lot sticky, ickier, Trinity, on, on the receptors. <laughs> right. So you go through withdrawals a lot more on the medications like buprenorphines or methadone, especially methadone, than off of street heroin. All right. So I was like, Connor, you don't do that, man. Don't do that. That's not a, that's not a good plan. Why don't we come in, come see the doctor. Come, come see me. Come see the doctor tomorrow morning. We'll straighten this out. But I'm sorry that people are talking to you like that. But you got six months, bro. You got six months clean. Oh, oh we're hearing reverb. You got six months clean. That was eight something at night. I think I used to remember the exact time. I think it was 806, I think is what I've said for all these years. 806. And then um, in the morning, Connor didn't come. And then uh, I think it was around noon or one o'clock, New York time in Eastern time, which is Florida time. Uh, Connor's mom called me and says, have you heard from seeing him? I'm worried about him. I said, no. And I told her about the phone call and I said, I'm worried about him too. I said, why don't you do a wellness check? Uh, you know, get them to go out to his place. Cause he was from, see Connor was a young kid that his dad had passed away and Connor, uh, started raising his younger brother. But unfortunately the way he dealt with his trauma was he started getting high and it led to a heroin problem and for him and his younger brother. And, um, uh, so in order to be a, a shining mentor for his younger brother, he he quit, went to treatment. So his brother quit and went to treatment. And then Connor went into school and he was in film school, broadcasting and film school. And uh, he was doing great. Living in Florida, getting better, six months clean. The wellness check had turned out that Connor had died of an overdose. But not from the Suboxone that he was prescribed and the Suboxone that he had been taking for six months. no. But some, somehow, somewhere in the night, with all those tears and all that sadness and all that feeling shame and like he had been cheating, and instead of using the Suboxone because he had thrown it away, apparently he found something a lot easier to find when you're feeling like that. And it was heroin. And unfortunately, he shot too much of that up and he died. So from that point forward, Whenever I talk about this, I think about Connor and I think about everybody needs to shut up and stop telling somebody else that they're not in recovery because it's not your recovery. It's not yours. You got yours and I'm glad you're happy with yours and I'm glad it's working for you. And that's fantastic, man. I'm not saying anything about that. It's fantastic that whatever you're doing for you is working for you. But you got to leave the Connors of the world alone. Now, if they come to you and they say, hey. How do you feel about this? And you feel some certain type of way. You should know better. If you're in recovery, you should know better. You should know how sensitive a person is in early recovery. You should know how easy it is to hurt them. And you should know that they want to please you, the old timer. They want to please you, the person with some time. They want Because they're looking up to you. They're looking up to us. And if we tell them they're cheating or they're not doing it right, they're doing it wrong. Uh, just keep your mouth shut, man. 
you don't feel comfortable telling them the right way and you and you can't love them where they're at, you can't help them get a better understanding of that, then maybe you need to just direct them to somebody like Trinity and myself. Let us talk to them because you're clearly not the one that should be talking to them. And so that's why I wanted to talk about this. Today. Yeah, I mean, you know, I got quiet there just because I was letting you put it out there. But yeah, I mean, I still have my text messages from Connor. Sounds kind of weird maybe, but I, I can't... Um, uh, I can't bring myself to delete him for some reason. Uh, he was one of the first ones that that I experienced a death with because I was early on in my uh, right. my int- my entry into this world, right. I guess. Um, and I-, I had a soft spot for him because he reminded me of myself a lot with some of the, the issues he was having. And uh, I felt really good about it, man. He was coming to my weekend stuff when we were talking about spirituality and stuff. Uh, and then one day he just stopped showing up, and I I, yeah. I figured something was going on. I didn't know. And then that's when you told me he reached out to you and I was like, okay, well, he's going to get some help. And then, you know, then he didn't. Um, and, and I agree with you. I think that part of the issue we're experiencing at the moment is I do think that the, the mainstream, like the media and things of that nature, um, they do, they put this thing out there as this, this one for all, like, you know, every movie you watch, every TV show you watch when they glamorize addiction, um, that's kind of what their the go to is is oh go to rehab like you know everybody just goes to rehab and magically gets better and comes out right. um, except for some don't and then they relapse or whatever like but they don't talk about what recovery actually looks like and I think they're doing a, a major disservice to this community because like if it wasn't for me being in this niche I would have no clue what that actually looks like right. you know the meetings like the ninety and ninety or you know I don't know they don't bring that to the mainstream at all like people just don't well, talk about it they don't publicize it and so i think that that does lead to a lot of harsh criticism and harsh judgment mm-hmm. from people who might not be in recovery which can add as we found out with connor even though those people were in theory in recovery with him um it can add to depression it can add to the problems because they they criticize and say well you're not really in recovery like yeah he is <laughs> you know like yeah. and so I, I think that that the community needs to do a better job of showing what recovery looks like and showing all the different faces of it and and what it means. Because I do believe the average everyday person doesn't understand taking Suboxone or taking something like that. And and to an extent they don't need to, right? Like if you're not in recovery yourself and you're not part of the family, you don't really need to, but But you kind of do, you know what I mean? Like you kind of have a, have a basic understanding so we can help support those people and understand how to not to criticize them and judge them and make them feel horrible. You know, in this, in this, Day and time of everything's wokeness. What I don't see is a lot of wokeness to help the addiction community. I don't see a lot of that. Mm. There's a lot of people standing up for a well, lot of other communities, which uh, let me finish this point because right. it is irritating to me. There's communities out there that statistically are much, much smaller that are getting so much more play. 28 million, was it, families are affected by, by addiction? Like That's a huge number. And as far as percentage, as far as how that branches out, it's a very large percentage of people who are affected by this. And yet um, the, the woke nation doesn't seem to be uh, um, going that direction, but I'll get off my soapbox. Uh, Shaw, you were saying something. Yeah. But who, whose job is it to judge whether somebody's in recovery or not? Who, whose fault is it? I mean, my, it's my, it's it's my job because you know, it's either my job, a a, your therapy, your personal therapist job, or your physician, not the regular old person on the street, friend or person in a meeting. It's not yep. their job. Correct. You know, and I answer it that way, Shaw, because if you come to me and you pay me 
to help you, then you're asking me, do I have a problem? And I'm, and I'm helping diagnose you. That's, that's my job. That's not their job out there to do. And what they did is they got in the way of the work that we were doing with Connor, me and the physician. We were working with Connor. We had him. We had him. He had six months clean, man. You know what I mean? We didn't, we didn't need any outside, you know, wannabe doctors and wannabe therapists to be messing with them. But that's what we got. So Marissa just commented too. Um, and she said, uh, my brother saw older addicts in recovery still taking meds like methadone. And he said he didn't want to use that for the rest of his life. So he started to detox himself off of it. And we told him to speak to the counselor first right. and stay on it longer or do it safely with them. I'm convinced trying to wean himself off led to our led to, or at least contributed to his suicide. Right. Mm. You know, you know, thank you for sharing that Marissa. Um, I want to do next week's show on self-medicating because she brought up something good. So we'll talk about sure. self-medicating and what that really means and what is self-medicating and uh, because that is a problem, you know, <laughs> yes. uh, but, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Um, but yeah, Sean, I'm glad you, you said, like, I, who is it to judge and, and you're right, man. My, look, my issue with this is, is that uh, many, many different things actually, but, but one major thing is that, we, we get we get stuck in in certain ideologies right for whatever reason like so there's a people that and, and all of them are to blame right the medication assisted treatment people uh fight with the faith-based people fight with the 12-step people and all this you know it's, it's just like this it could be a big old mess but you know there's a, there's a there's a saying that i think we all kind of feel comfortable with and that's attraction rather than promotion right but yep. for generations and generations i was told to stay silent i was told to stay quiet i was told to stay anonymous um, and look, if you're out there and you want to stay anonymous and, and you want to stick to that, that's fine. But I didn't want to stay anonymous. And that's why 23 years ago, I started this program. I started this program 23 years ago because I felt like my issue was when I finally went to the rooms and when I finally saw people that were, you know, were doing what I wanted to do and, and could, could help me. It's like, I had to go find them. I had to seek them out. Like you said, Trina, like, you know, like people aren't talking about it. It's like, yeah, I had to seek him out. The only thing I ever saw was like Otis from, <laughs> you know, the Andy Griffith show. That's what I saw. With a, with a, what I knew of an alcoholic was Otis on TV or the alcoholic in the neighborhood, you know, or your uncle or whatever, you know, that kind of deal. Right. That's a, that's all I knew. So so who was telling us what an alcoholic was? Well, your aunt or your parents, you know, somebody angry was typically telling you what an alcoholic is. I'll tell you what a drug is. He's a drug. Blah, blah, blah. And right. they, they, would talk, they would tell you what an alcoholic is or a drug addict is based on anger and frustration, but not based on medical knowledge. It was just anger, emotion. Yeah. And so I'll answer your wokeness thing because they're, they're out there, by the way. They, they have infiltrated. <laughs> they're just not very loud. Oh, they're loud in this way. And I'll tell you, they're loud and going like, words hurt words are meaningful and i get you yeah you're right words hurt words are meaningful but you know what when you get to the point where some of us have gotten to before we hit that room there's a lot of other words that were hurtful and meaningful man and, and, oh yeah and i don't and i don't think you know oh, yeah. i'm sorry man if, if you're not getting clean and sober or you know oh wait oh there you go there's a word right there i said clean oh that's bad what why clean what you know clean is, is yeah. and i get it like if the word clean offends you you're probably not one of us. I'll tell you why the word clean offends you. <laughs> because you're probably a therapist. You're probably somebody that's never experienced this. Because the word clean doesn't offend us, man. You call me clean or dirty. That 
it may offend some people. But like Trinity said, there's a smidgen. There's always a small population that changes all the rules, right? right. You're like, you baby-proof the whole world because of like that five people that got offended, right? <laughs> yeah. clean dirty doesn't offend us. <laughs> calling me an addict doesn't offend me. I just choose not to call myself an addict sometimes, and sometimes I do. It depends on what I'm talking with. It's like I don't, I don't choose to call myself a wetback either. You know what I mean? You know, but right. if you call me it, then I got a problem with it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. So well, I'm with a bunch of people that have had my experiences and I call and we call each other addicts. That doesn't offend us. So Marissa chimed in and said, uh, in the age of social media, recovering out loud is necessary. Exposing That's someone true. to shows like this when they may not have anyone else telling them things like this can and does save lives. Right. It might just initially lead them to research the good, but that's a great start instead of isolating right. and using. Right. Exactly. And, I, I, and, 100% and this, I 100% agree because uh, in this age that we're living in now, it's imperative and it's very vital and important that we have an outlet because yeah. one up, I couldn't, it, as, a, as a man, there are certain things that you just, you don't see a man cry. You don't see a man right. do this. You can't see a man, you know, showing emotions right. and things like that of that caliber. But right. 2022, y- yes, you can. We are. Yeah. Yes, we feel can. pain. Yes, you can. And, and, and so that and so that's the thing. So so like imagine like non-men, exactly from your point, Shaw. Imagine non-men <laughs> saying non-men? what a man. Yeah, there's non-men out there. You never heard of a non-man? A woman's a non-man. Wouldn't that be a woman then? A they is a non-man. Oh, wait a minute. No, Are you there's all different the variations. Whole... Oh, no, there's different go. variations. So I'm just saying okay. a non-man should not okay. tell a man how to feel. Right? Or what, right. what uh, and so I get it. Like I, you know, like I don't want to be told how I'm thinking or how I'm feeling. I can speak for myself. And guess what? I don't speak for all men. I don't speak for all Latinos. I don't speak for all men. I don't speak for all people in recovery. I don't speak for all people in addiction. And by the way, I don't even call it recovery. I call it remission. Remission. Right. So I love it because I had these woke people come up, right? These woke people. I went to this one meeting, Trinity, this one <laughs> political type meeting. And they're like, we're going to start changing the way. Instead of saying, you know, hi, my name is Louie and I'm an alcoholic or addict or whatever, right? They said, now you're going to say, hi, my name is Louie and I'm a person in long term recovery and what that means to me is that i haven't used drugs or alcohol since blah 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 right this little light and and and, and they're yeah. all yes we should all start doing that we should all start saying i'm a person in long-term recovery blah, blah. and i said i ain't gonna do that they said louis you know we need your support blah 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 you know the old timers like you need to be more supportive i said i would but you're saying you don't want to say addict because addict's a bad word because you're not your disease right because like, oh yeah because you don't say you're a cancer you say you have cancer i say yeah but you do say diabetic. You don't say a person who has diabetes. You say diabetic. Mm-hmm. So it's not unusual for you to use a word of, of what you're suffering with within the word. So let's not get don't compare it to cancer because that's different because, you know, we don't call you a cancer, but we <laughs> right. call you a diabetic. And I don't see a bunch of diabetics going out there going, oh, my God, you call me a diabetic. It's so offensive. Don't call me. I'm a person <laughs> with diabetes. I'm not a diabetic. So and I said in the second part of the problem is this. You said recovery. I got 30 damn years. I'm not in recovery. I'm in remission. If you believe it's a disease and I know it's a disease, do we go to a person? Oh, you used cancer. So do we go to a person with cancer and say, oh, you're in recovery? No. You say they're a survivor. You say it's in remission. So if you're going to believe it's a disease, which I know it's a disease too, 
and you think you're all woke with your little words of saying, I'm not an addict. I'm a person in long-term recovery. No, you're a person in remission. Like I'm a person in remission and I'm a survivor. That means if I lapse or relapse, if I use again, or if you out there uses again, that means you could be just as victorious as you were the first time. You don't lose your days. You don't lose all your time. You're not a piece of junk because you went and relapsed. No, you didn't do any of that. Your remission is now active. You go get the treatment to get back into remission. You could be a survivor again. We rally around behind you and it says Louis Strong, Delgado Strong, whatever, Trinity Strong, whatever, and you get <laughs> back to being confident. But no. Instead, that same little woke crowd will blame some other external things for your relapse or use, not get it, and not be supportive in that same personal way. So, yes, they have infiltrated Trinity, but not in the same supportive way they they should because they're not understanding it as a medical thing. They're coming from the therapist. All those those therapists out there, and therapists, don't get mad at me because I'm, I'm in your class, so you can't come... Everybody that I make fun of and I jaw with here, by the way, I am one too. So back off, right? Okay, you fit. You so, fit in all categories. I fit. I fit. I only. I only. I only mess with the street I'm in, Shaw. I only mess with my street. You know, I, mean? I know nothing there about the other, the other lane. I know about my lane. But what I'm saying is, it's all the therapists are like, oh no, you should say this because it would make you feel better, and you're and you're putting yourself down. No, no, we're not. You know what's putting us down? When 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 you lose. Your, your wife, your husband, your kids, you go to jail, you're on probation, you can't get through probation because you keep relapsing. And every time you lapse or relapse, even if it's a lapse, not a relapse, even if it's just a lapse, meaning you're not back in dependence, you just used once, you still violate probation and go to jail. None of that is medical in nature. Right. None of our world that treats us is in medical in nature. It's all behavioral. It's all attitude. Everybody out there thinks that they're a doctor. Everybody out there thinks they know what addiction is. Everybody out there thinks they know what alcoholism is. And so they look at their family member or friend or whatever, and they judge, judge, judge. And the whole time, you don't think you're doing it. But that's exactly what you're doing. Now, I don't fault you because you don't, you, you don't know what you don't know. But then when it comes to the Connor Paula Castros of the world, and they're doing it a certain type of way and it's successful for them, and when you judge them and then therefore they go out and die because they tried it your way and then they end up dying, then, yeah, someone like me is going to pop off on the radio and says it's all your fault. Your fault right there. You that's listening right now that did that to somebody. You that's watching right now that did that to somebody. Just back off and let us professionals do what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. That's our job, right? right. That's like me. That's like Trinity, me telling you what to do. to Like you go, hey, Louie, I think something's wrong with my brakes. And I go, hey, Trinity, let me, let me check out your brakes. I got you, man. And I sit there and I go tinker with my tools on your brakes. But I don't know what I'm doing, Trinity. So then you go down the road and you try to put your brakes on and your brakes don't work and you run into a wall. And I got. Well, Probably you know what? Should have went to somebody who was an expert in yeah. brakes rather than letting your neighbor like I used to. I used to let my neighbor do my brakes, <laughs> and every time you would do my brakes, it would, it would squeal, wow. and they'd be like, "Damn, why the hell did I go cheap and let my neighbor do the brakes?" Well, I gotta be honest, I've done my own brakes, but I, I get your point. What you know? What it reminds me of those. You ever seen those pictures that everybody's posting around all the time, where it says like uh, entrepreneurship? Everybody yeah. thinks it looks like this, like a straight line from start yeah. to finish. Yeah. And they said it looks more like this. It's like a scribble line, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what people don't realize is is for some people, I'm sure recovery mm-hmm. is linear. It goes, hey man, like I, I haven't. I think I might have met one, and and I can't think of any. I'm just going to assume because I don't believe in universals. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember meeting anybody 
crew started and went to their first like rehab or whatever and said, I'm not going to do this. And that was it. 34. I don't know if I've ever met anybody. I'm sure I have. But for most people I've met, they've had at least one lapse or relapse. Yeah. Right. Like, like that's just what it looks like sometimes right. for certain people. There yes. are people out there who might have shoot. There's people out there who white knuckled it, who didn't go to anybody and just said, I'm going to stop. Nothing. Hey, I, me. Good for you. I didn't do anything. You know? Yeah. And good those, for those, those people. First, but not everybody those does first that. Two years. Whew, those first year and a half, bro, I didn't do nothing. Yeah. Matter of fact, that first year and a half, still went to the bar, still went to the club, still, still hung around with people. I, I did the, 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 the relocation. You know, the, the, I right. don't suggest it, but that's what I did. I went from El Paso to L.A. I got, I mean, I did it in Hollywood, California at 19 years old, knowing nothing, <laughs> nobody did nothing. Yeah. You know what it's like to go to the whiskey or go go and go hang out in the clubs and all that stuff as a 19 year old guy with a pocket full of money and a head full of nonsense right. and not get high. Yeah, I mean, oh, I think that's the problem. That was so hard, bro. It was so hard. <laughs> yeah, man. It's just stubbornness. It's just pure stubbornness sometimes. But you know what? You got people out this and oh they gotta want it you gotta want it and so when they, you're, you're in that first week of, of getting better they want to hear you say you'll never use again it's like yo back off man for my first 10 years i said i'm gonna get high on my 10th right. year anniversary that my plan was 10 years that was my plan man but the point is is that i don't have to want it for you and i don't have to want it now i gotta want it to keep it later but at the beginning you could be forced into it yeah. you could be forced by cops you could be forced by probation you could be forced by incarceration you could be forced by your job you could be forced by a lot of different things and that can work for short stints and then your stubbornness helps you yeah. acknowledge it and, and 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 do the right thing and then hopefully you're seeing a professional within that time period. Hopefully you build up your support system at these meetings or those meetings or that meetings or that church or that thing. And then hopefully as time goes on, then you want to do it for you. Well, and not only because that, that's but... where you're going to get the long-term good feelings and good recovery. I guarantee that part of it. Well, and not to harp on semantics, right. But just as a side note, um, I've met, I don't know, a lot of people in recovery um, at this point in my, my life. And I have yet to meet a single one who who wanted addiction. So this idea that you got to want it, I have never met any of them that are like, no, nah, I'm good, man. This is, yeah, this is exactly what I had planned for me. No, none of them really want that. So this, this idea that they don't want to get better is complete right. nonsense. They right. do. Their brain is just telling them, hey, right. don't listen to that other part of the brain. Right. You need this more. And, yeah. and so that's like, you know, that's like telling somebody you got to want to get rid of cancer. Right. right. I've never met anybody. It's like, nah, give me, give me two more. Yeah. No, like, like you, this idea that they don't want it is just nonsense. You, you bring up a great point training because, because um, yeah, a lot of people do think that and they say that, look, like you said, if, if you have to want something to get it, then how did they get addicted? Yeah. They didn't want addiction yet. They got it. So exactly. what they want is they want to be able to escape just like many of you do. They want to be able to just have a few beers or have a little bit of this or that, just like you do. They want to be yeah. able to use something, self-medicate a little bit, which we'll talk about next week, just like you do. You think they want the cascade of spiraling downward <laughs> and problem. And you think that that woman, who was smoking so much crack that she left her baby in the car while she went into the dope house to go do crack. You think she wanted to leave her kid alone in the car to go smoke crack? No, man. That was the best thinking she had at that moment. 
so that she can meet the goal that she absolutely felt like she needed to meet, which was, I need to go get that hit right now. That's where she was, man. That's where she was. And and you think that is not what that woman wanted to do? No. No. That's not. not And there's a lot of young men, your age, Trinity, and Shaw's age today, that come from that generation of women that did that. And there was a lot of women in those 80s, man, that were smoking that pipe, smoking that rock. And let me tell you something, there's a lot of good kids out there that went through that and watched what their moms went through. And they learned a lot through that experience. And I feel for you, man. I feel that you went through that. But you made it out, man. Look where you're at. You made it. You, you're living today. And yeah. I can only hope that you took whatever lessons you went through that experience. And hopefully when you have children of your own or you had children of your own, I don't know if you have or had them, but hopefully you could just be a different role model in the experience. And so when it goes to that point, Trinity says the, the, the bad father that never went to any of your games, the bad father never went to any of your games, yet you go to all your kids' games. And you yeah. say, well, it's because my dad never went to my game, so I know how important it is. Yep. But that same bad father never went to your games. There's a kid that, that, that because his father did, it, well, you know, the, um, what do you call it? Oh, my God, I lost my place. So, Trini, help me out here because I, I've lost my train of thought. I'm assuming what you're getting at is it doesn't matter. Like, you're, you're, you are what you are either because or in right. spite of your past. So the, okay, that's what I was saying. So the guy that their dad went to every single one of their games, and he mimics that, says, I do it because my dad did it. My dad came yeah. to all my games. It felt good, so I go to all my kids' games. In other words, I had some – you know where I'm at right now? You know, I get, I'm getting distracted. Because <laughs> you're in Boca? I'm in a hotel. And everybody's showing up. <laughs> oh, they're all there? Nice. I'm in a hotel. You know, I ran away from, from – I'm helping our daughter move out of the FAU uh, for the semester. Uh, you know, so she's coming home for the summer. Because they don't stay away long, Trini. They, they always come back. <laughs> don't summer. tell me that. I got one getting ready to leave in like a couple of weeks. So. Well, no, I mean, you know, then she'll come back here in the fall. But the point is we had to – just like we, we, we lugged her out down here, we moved her out here, and now we've got to move her back home for the summer. So, right on. So <laughs> that's nah. why I got a bed behind me. I know – and it looks nah. funny. I, I, I never do a show with a bed behind me. Look at the bed. This, I, <laughs> right. <laughs> All you got to do is just lean back. There you go. As soon as he's done. This too, man. No, man, I'm, I'm going back to her. This, this is for them. I'm, I'm leaving. Dana right. and I will go back home, man. I'm, I'm going back to NSB. Because of, because of my years of going to college, and I learned how to pack light. I only take what's necessary <laughs> because I knew if I was going home during the wintertime, I knew I needed a coat. That's all I needed was a coat. I already got some clothes, and I just pack on my clothes and just wear them. And then when I get here, find some hanger, <laughs> hang it up, and call it the day. <laughs> Wash and recycle. And you got you to know how to trick that, the washing machine to get the free wash and the free dry. Oh, Amen to that, man. Amen to that, man. But that, that's why I got distracted, man. So I, I feel for you, man. I'm not used to people asking me for something while I'm on the ears. I had to, I had to give a key. <laughs> no worries. You didn't see me give a key, but I gave a key. Yeah, it's like magic. It's uh, television and radio magic. Well, because there were there was messaging me and it shows up on my screen at the same time. I guess something important was going on. Right. No so worries. anyway, uh, I was on a rant anyway. But you know what I meant. So the. the if, you, if your father was a bad father, you could be a good father because you said, I don't want to be like my dad. And if your dad was a good father, you copy your father because you said, I had a good father. So they were, I mimic my father. Same end result. The end result is you could still be a good dad. Don't blame your dad for you being a bad dad. Don't blame your dad for being a good dad. You, because you making that choice. Look, we need to start patting ourselves on the back. Right. Here's, here's one thing it's easy to do. It's easy to say, thank God. Thank God. Or thank my parents and all that. And all that is true. But also the most important person to thank is you. 
you. Because if you didn't do it, God can't do it without you. Parents can't do it without you. Well, you got to put hearing, the work in. I'm hearing the yeah. uh, the get off air music. I'm, I'm hearing. Is that I'm what I'm hearing? Music too, so yeah, yeah. That, that, who's coming? Who's coming on after? You got the sideshow coming up next. All good entertainment, getting ready to show up and show out. They in the building. They looking sharp as a tack. So you get ready for some musical. Let me see them. Let me see them. I want to see, see somebody. Yeah, I want to see somebody. They want to see. They want to. They want to see, see somebody. Yo, yo, yo! Get on there. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Oh, look at them. There you go. He always looks fly. Look at that. Look don't he know he's all good brothers. That's the oh, all good brothers right there, man. All good entertainment. So stay tuned on WOKB after this show. And you uh, you know, fix and learn something today. You're gonna learn right. today. <laughs> You're gonna learn today. All right, Dharma guy, final words. Uh yeah, I would just say, you know, <clears throat> nobody really benefits from from judging their journey. Nobody does. You don't benefit, they don't benefit. So uh, uh try to uh just love them where they're at, man. Exactly. My final words are this. Look, man, uh, there are m- multiple pathways to recovery there. You can be faith based. It could be medication assisted treatment through some medical and treatment. Um, it could be a 12 step program. It, it, it could be grin and bear, you know, Johnny Cash method. You know, uh, <laughs> the point is, is that I've if been you're everywhere, using, man. If you're using today and it's not working, that's that's the real kicker. That's the problem. Right. We just know whatever you're using today, that's probably not working. So anything outside of that is better than where you're at right now. Give somebody a call like us, 833-NOW-MATTERS. You can call 833-NOW-MATTERS. You can find me at the Dope Doctor. Find the Dharma Guy at the Dharma Guy. Um, you know, give us a call, nowmattersmore.org. Other than that, we'll see you next Monday here, same time, same channel, doing the same old thing. Uh, we'll be talking about what did I say we're going to talk about next week? Self-medicating. Self-medication. Self-medicating. All right, adios, amigos. It's time for a taco. Goodbye. Peace. Thank you.